just want to say thank you for coming this morning to Dad's memorial service. Um, I don't have a lot to say. I do have a couple of announcements. It sounds like church, right? Um, probably one of the important things is, is that there will be a meal following this service. And uh, the Bairds like to eat. And we thank the different churches that came together to put the meal together. And so after this service, we will be going to the graveside in Brewster Cemetery to uh, have another service out there. If you're not going to join us for that service, you're welcome immediately after this service to go back and get yourself something to eat. And we highly encourage that because I think we have enough to feed everybody a couple times. So um, as you can tell, this is going to be a more informal service. Um, pretty much everything done up here is going to be done by family. And uh, we want to ask for your pardon if for some reason we have a tear or uh, have something that we want to share that might be emotional, but uh, we're thankful for our dad, we're thankful for our husband, our loved one, and we just want to share his life with you, and we thank you for the support that you've given to us already. We've had many uh, gifts and uh, many meals, and we're very appreciative of that, and we just trust that this uh, service is a blessing to you, and so I just wanted to share that as we start out this time uh, this morning. Thank you. Well, let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you that we can come together today to celebrate the life of Jin Baird. Lord, we thank you for his life. We thank you for your mercy and your grace and how clearly it was evident in the life of Jim. First and foremost, it was so clear in the salvation that you so richly blessed him with. And we thank you for the salvation that he had. That he came to you by faith. Came to you in forgiveness. And you so graciously and wonderfully saved him. We thank you for your hand <clears throat> being on his life. We thank you for the opportunity he had to serve you faithfully. We thank you for, uh, as, even as, as, as Perry mentioned, the number of churches that have come together and the number of churches uh, that Jim got to be a part of and serve faithfully at. And we thank you for uh, your hand being on his life in, in, in his family. And we thank you for his boys and their desire to serve you. For Perry, as he has uh, had the opportunity to be a pastor here in Kansas, we thank you for Larry, as he's a missionary in Mexico. We thank you for them and their faithfulness. It's a tribute to the faithfulness of their father. And Lord, we thank you for the salvation you've given him, that he is experiencing it, experiencing it fully and completely, as he is with you in glory. And we thank you that today, as there is sadness, as we will miss him, but there's joy. <clears throat> as we know he's with you, as he is celebrating the completion of his salvation, as he is seeing you perfectly, as he is getting to hold you and, 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 and look at you in your face. And so thank you that we can, yes, mourn, but we can celebrate life and the life you give us in salvation. And so thank you for the life of Jim and the testimony that it was to you of your goodness and your grace and of your glorious salvation that you so richly bless those who come to you in faith. And so thank you. 
And let today be a day of celebration, of rejoicing in you. So thank you, Lord, and we praise you in your name. Amen. Our scripture at this time is taken from Psalm 34, a favorite of Jim's as well as the family. I invite you to listen to God's word as I read it. The psalmist begins, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from all of them. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems his servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in him. Amen.
watch and pray and live rejoicing every day. Happy day, happy day, when Jesus washed my sins away. James Robert. Jim Baird, 78, passed away December the 11th at his home here in Goodland, Kansas. He was born in rural Rollins County, Kansas on August 9th, 1941 to Bob and Pauline Baird. He attended Brewster schools first through the 12th grade and graduated in 1959. He was also married to Carolyn Sue Baird January the 24th in 1959, and they moved to Hayes, Kansas, where Jim attended Fort Hayes State University and graduated there in 1963. Also in 1963, were born two twin sons to Perry, whose names are Perry and Larry Baird. They were born on August the 7th, two days prior to Jim's 22nd birthday. Well, one year later, the family moved to Bazine, Kansas, where Jim worked for the Farmers Co-op for 10 years as a bookkeeper. In the summer of 1974, they moved back to the Brewster area and lived on the Floyd Finley farm, where Jim had several different jobs, including working at the co-op in Brewster, working for farmers, and teaching school at the Goodland Christian School. In 1986, he and Sue moved to Ozark, Arkansas, where they both worked for Citadel Bible College until the end of 1987, when they moved to their current home at 401 Center in Goodland, Kansas. Again, Jim worked different jobs, including teaching, as well as working with the area farmers. Well, some of his passions were taking trips to camp, vacationing, fishing, spending time with family, listening to the Gaither homecoming videos, shopping at Walmart, and working Sudoku puzzles. Jim put his trust in Jesus to be his Savior, August of 1974, and he went on to become a godly man who loved to read his Bible, pray for the needs of others, serve God through his church, sharing his faith, taking kids to Bible camp, teaching and giving generously whenever possible, especially to support mission work. He and Sue made several mission trips to Mexico to visit their son Larry and his wife Lilia and their family to enjoy family time and encourage them in their ministry endeavors. Jim and Sue also held Bible Memory Club in their home and later they invested their life in a prayer ministry. While he wasn't a musician, he loved to sing and enjoyed good music whenever it was played. He liked to watch old movies and tinker in his garage. More recently, he, was, he has really enjoyed playing with his great-grandchildren. And over the past few weeks, he was surrounded by his loving family, enjoying sweet fellowship with them. He will be greatly missed, but because of his faith in Jesus Christ, we know he is in heaven with the Lord. Preceding him in death were his parents, Bob and Pauline Baird, Brother Perry Ray Baird and Sister Dorothy Jeanette Davis. Surviving family includes his wife Sue of Goodland, 
sons Perry Baird and his wife Terry of Goodland, Larry Baird and his wife Lilia of Zacatecas, Mexico, grandchildren Benjamin Baird, Katie Holm, Aaron Baird, and his wife Liliana, Julia Wall and her husband Matt, Melissa Huckavo and her husband Alex, and Isaac Baird and his wife Rachel. Jim had eight great-grandchildren, Lucas, Madeline, Lincoln, Adam, Rhea, Ruby, Melanie, and Aaliyah. As you know, of course, the funeral is held here at the Evangelical Free Church. Uh, burial will follow there in the Brewster Cemetery. And we thank God for Jim's life. May he be praised. Amen. sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. The Lord has promised good to me. His word, my hope, secures. He will my shield and portion me as long as life endures. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, 
unending love, amazing grace. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow, the sun forbear to shine, but God who called me here below will be forever mine, will be forever mine. You are forever Good morning, or as we say in Mexico, buenos dias. I have some notes I want to share from our children. They were not able to be here at this celebration. Uh, our oldest son, Aaron, and his wife live in Tampa, Florida. Our daughter, Melissa, and her husband, Alex Jacobo, uh, live in Tampa, Florida. And our youngest son, Isaac, and his wife, Rachel, live in Detroit. Uh, that's Mexico. No, it's Michigan. <laughs> um, and uh, they send a few little notes. I want to read a little bit. I'm Larry, and uh, glad to be here. Uh, Isaac says, Grandpa was a really patient man who spoke kindly but was always ready to crack a witty joke to make himself and others laugh. Uh, Grandpa loved the Lord because of this love the people God put around him. He had many grand and great-grandchildren and many adoptive grandchildren. Uh, he and Grandma Sue had many people in their home and treated them like their own family. He and Grandma never missed one of our birthdays and always made sure we knew that we were being prayed for and thought about often. Grandpa set us a good example of what it looks like to be a faithful husband, father, son, and leader in the church. And he was always able to kick back and uh, play Sudoku. That's one thing they remember. Uh, our son Aaron, our oldest, that was Isaac, our youngest, our oldest, Aaron, um, He's uh, saying this. He says, many things I would like people to know about Grandpa Jim, but here are some things I remember the most. He always had a smile on his face. He loved everyone around him and helping people. He was always interested in what you had to say, even if it was just talk about the weather. My most memorable moment was when was a time he would pull out the chips and ice cream and, and sit the grandkids around the table to have a snack, like we all like to eat, like we said. Uh, he liked to joke around, make people happy. And Psalm 34 is his favorite psalm, as we all know. And um, his um, verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually in my mouth. He is one of the best examples uh, to follow in your day-to-day -day walk with the Lord. Love you, Grandpa Jim. That's from Aaron. And then Melissa, our daughter, says, Dearest family and friends, we wish we could be there to celebrate Grandpa Jim's life today. Even though our hearts still ache when we think about his passing, we are so thankful to the Lord that he is finally home and face-to-face -face with our Savior. Grandpa Jim was the most kind and humble grandpa ever. He always looked out for his grandkids by stocking the freezer, again, with ice cream. <laughs> um, he not only was the best grandpa, but he was a godly husband, father, and our prayer warrior. Uh, her husband, Alex, says he mentions how the testimony of grandpa turning his life around uh, to the Lord was an example to 
dad and Uncle Perry, and now people even in Mexico are hearing about Jesus because of his legacy. We're going to miss Grandpa very much, but we are so thankful to know that one day we'll all be reunited in heaven with him and worship our Jesus and um, let's see um, together. We are also thankful for a beautiful grandma who is such an encouragement to us and are excited to see how the Lord will continue to use her to encourage others. We love you, Grandma, Grandpa and Grandma. That's notes from our kids. I want to say a few things. I have here my dad, Jim Baird. Uh, he was a normal dad in many ways, a good normal. Uh, he was not perfect. We all know no one's perfect. Uh, Dad's not perfect, but he took us fishing, hunting, on road trips. Some of you may remember some of those road trips. And um, we had a lot of fun and educational activities. As a normal dad, he gave me a good example. I want to be a normal dad. I want to be... Um, Someone who can be a normal person uh, with my family, grandkids, and great-grandkids. He was also a sports dad. He loved sports. Uh, many of you know he played football, loved football. Uh, he liked watching football. I think the few weeks ago, he was watching football in the hospital. Uh, he didn't know who was playing. Uh, he didn't really care. They were playing football. Um, he also played basketball. He had long arms, and he could jump up to the basket and push everyone out of the way and make the basket. He, we played ping pong. I remember years ago in Pleasant Home Church, we played ping pong in the basement. Uh, also, uh, he liked to bowl. He taught me bowling uh, at Christian school. We all went to the bowling alley that used to be here in town, and uh, he taught us how to bowl, and he was my partner. And uh, I really appreciate that, something, a special member I have. And, and we also worked together. I'm not going to get into all those details about all the jobs we did together, you know, we helped dad and sometimes he helped us. <laughs> um, well, I'm so thankful because he was uh, a normal dad but, and a sports dad, but he was also a spiritual dad. We talked about that a little bit. He came to Christ and encouraged me to do so as well 45 years ago. And I'm so thankful for that and the witness he was to me. Uh, we were saved. Uh, three of us were saved, my brother and myself and dad, and we were all baptized together uh, here in town at the... Uh, First Baptist Church, right not too far from Mom and Dad's house, uh, Pleasant Home, um, baptized the pastor, baptized us, and uh, for many years, Dad was a gifted church leader, and many pastors, leaders, and missionaries were blessed and encouraged by him. I think we have some people here today that were blessed by Dad, maybe most of you, but I, as a missionary to Mexico, know that many people were blessed by Dad all over the world. He was also uh, encouraging to us and teaching us how to pray. I always sat on my dad's right hand. I guess mom or Perry, I can't remember. Mom was on uh, his other side and Perry was here and we would hold hands. And to me, it was always a privilege to hold dad's hand as he prayed. Sometimes I stepped on his toe, uh, his sore toe, and he would yell at me. But, you know, we would pray together at the table and uh, he taught us how to study God's word. He was an example. He was also a teaching dad. Uh, he was literally our teacher in Christian school, <laughs> and um, we were also his helpers there. And um, I think one of my interests in Christian education stems from what he taught us and his gifts in this area. Uh, he was somewhat an expert in things. Uh, one time, he got this jacket, and it said Jim on the front and battery expert on the back. He had taken some course. He worked at the Brewster Co-op and took some course on batteries, and he ended up, he didn't want the jacket, so he gave it to me. So I 
carefully took Jim off the front, but I said, I'll just leave the other part on the back. And all of a sudden, people started asking me about their batteries. And I said, no, I'm not the battery expert. That's dad. You know, he was the battery expert, so we'd tease him about being the battery expert. Um, I think he taught us all something about business and finances, right? Uh, he was a bookkeeper. He kept meticulous records, and uh, he taught us uh, to do the same. Uh, maybe we didn't learn so well, but we uh, had a good example. And uh, it's interesting because our son Aaron is also a bookkeeper that kind of runs in the family, I guess, uh, so to speak. We're so thankful because he taught us many, many things um, that I wouldn't even get into. Also, to me, Lily and our kids, he was a great dad, father-in-law, grandpa, and also missionary dad. You know, we have missionary kids. We have kid missionaries. We have missionaries. But he was a missionary dad. Um, 29 years ago, in our commissioning service at Goodland Bible Church, dad prayed over us. And uh, he had like a four-minute prayer. It was a long <laughs> Dad prayed long prayers, and he prayed over us, but he was not satisfied just to pray over us, but he helped us pack. It was in December of 1990. He helped us pack a trailer that he himself had built on another trailer, and he and Mom proceeded to take us to the mission field. They installed us in Delisa, Chihuahua, which is a thousand miles south of here, and uh, they weren't worried. He wasn't worried about crossing the border. He wasn't worried about the language barrier. He wasn't worried. He, he took us to the mission field. And he was a missionary bad because he would come several times to Mexico. They made several trips to Mexico. Uh, one time he took the wood off the, the trailer and made a toy box for our son Aaron. And he still has that toy box uh, with that wood that he took apart and put together in the toy box. Uh, also... He was our secretary. We called him the secretary uh, because he would take care of our U.S. mail, finances, important documents. Dad would all of a sudden call me and say, you got this letter in the mail, and, you know, we're 2,000 miles south. But he was a missionary dad. He was generous. Uh, he didn't always have a lot, but he was generous, and they supported our ministry from the very beginning uh, over 30 years. And even this last this month, he was concerned about that, about their help and their support and we thank God so much for that faithfulness and we trust the Lord to raise up more faithful people who will pray and give and go like dad did because he was a sermon in shoes. Uh, he was a sermon in shoes. I remember one time um, he knew about everything that you could know. I mean he was Google before they had Google. Uh, we would ask dad. I remember uh, our mission board had a contest for all the missionary kids all over the world. You know I don't know how many there were but they had this five-gallon jug of pennies, and if the kids could guess the pennies in that jug, they got part of that as a prize for the missionary kids. Well, uh, I didn't have any pennies in Mexico. <laughs> we had pesos, so I called Dad. I said, Dad, you know, I need to know how many pennies are in a cup because, you know, I didn't want him to fill up a whole, you know, five-gallon jug. <laughs> he didn't have that many pennies, but Dad was so precise and so meticulous that he could give me the amount of pennies in a cup and he told me how many there were, and so we sent in uh, different guesses. You had to send in a guess for how many pennies. They had a picture of the jug, and you could, well, you know, so many. Well, we ended up winning because of Dad. Uh, we won the contest because Dad knew how many pennies were in a cup, and he could figure about anything out like that, anything that had to do with finances, miles, whatever. He, he had it figured out, and uh, he was also such a blessing. Uh, he and Mom would call us every week for I don't know how many years, 
And uh, sometimes mom would hang up, but a lot of times dad would hang up. And he always told us how much he loved us. He was a loving dad. Uh, he was someone who showed love in words and deeds. To us, he was very special because uh, he would usually end uh, with, love you, bub, and tell Lily that we love her too. Uh, he would end his conversations with words of love and sharing. And we just like to say, I just like to say today, we love you too, dad. Thank you. here and if I pass out or the Lord takes me out he's going to read my story <laughs> so hold your breath I've never done this before uh, you know so I've got it all written out here okay first of all we want to just say thank you all for coming today to help us celebrate this life of Jim Baird's. And we know he's not here, he's in heaven with Jesus. It's our heart's desire that God would be glorified in all of this. He has done what has happened to our family, and he's still doing a mighty work in our hearts through this time today. Okay. The Bible says, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, Robin's an example of that. We prayed for his wife, and he got her. Right, Robin? <laughs> With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And we, we claim that the last week, two weeks, when Daddy was so sick, he didn't know what was going to happen to him physically, but he knew, you know, he was ready to go. He's, he says, what's going to happen to me? But he, our daughter-in-law says, Daddy, Jesus is going to come after you. And he said, oh, okay. You know, he was ready. So anyway, I wrote our story. I want everybody to hear Jim's story and my story. Okay. Jim and I would have been married 61 years, January the 24th, 2020. We were both blessed to have had a godly heritage in grandmas and grandpas. All of them came out to this area in the 1880s in covered wagons. They loved God and prayed for their families and their seed that would follow. One page down. <laughs> Jim was born August 9, 1941, in a basement house on his Grandpa Pop and Grandma Florence's homestead in Rollins County, just north of the Thomas County line, the Prairie Jim community. They all attended church there when he was a little boy. His grandma Florence was in the bedroom encouraging his mom when he was born. She said, it's a boy. He has red hair, just like mine. Grandma and Grandpa Jim were very proud of their first boy grandchild. 
He was named James Robert Baird after his grandpa, James Edward. In later life, Grandma Florence Baird stayed up many nights with a couple of her friends, Mrs. Mary Morey and Mrs. Vera Clark, praying and crying out to God for her family and her church family. Vera Clark, my neighbor next door, told me this years later. Jim and I grew up together attending Brewster School from first grade through 12th grade. I was raised in the pleasant home community where my folks and my sister had moved to in 1932 from the farmstead west of Brewster, which was just down the hill from the Finley farmstead. They lived on, down the hill on the east side there. Okay, we were in a... We were in church Sunday morning, Sunday evenings, Wednesday night prayer time, and Bible study. Jim and I started kind of liking each other in seventh grade. <laughs> he was a town kid, and I was a country kid. That was the way it was. <laughs> By the time we were seniors in high school, we thought we were desperately in love. <clears throat> anyway, and we wanted to get married. Well, our parents were not really happy about this, but I told them, well, we're, we're going to run away if you won't let us, so they said, okay. <laughs> well, God has used all of this in eventually drawing us to himself. We had to learn to grow up in a hurry. I went crying home to Daddy right after the, short, the weekend honeymoon because we had to get back to play basketball and cheerlead. <laughs> Anyway, I, I, went, I, I had to grow up. We had to grow up in a hurry. I went crying home to Daddy, and he said, You made your bed, sister. Now lay in it. <laughs> so that's what it, we did. Jim had a football scholarship at Fort Hayes State College for four years, so we had a little 28-by-8-foot trailer house we moved down to Hayes to live in. We were there for four years. Jim graduated in May of 1963. I was six months pregnant with what we thought was one baby. We moved back to Brewster with our little trader house, and, there after, and we were there until after the baby was born. On August 7, 1963, just two days before Jim's 22nd birthday, we got the surprise of our lives. <laughs> God gave us two boys instead of one. And we were thrilled. Perry and Larry have been the joy of our lives, and they still are. Mine. Jim got a job at Bazine Co-op in Bazine, Kansas, in the summer of 1964 as bookkeeper accountant. We were there until 1974. We were young, 22 years old, and learned. we learned together and learned how to live together with our two baby sons. After a few years, our marriage started going downhill. This was a very hard time for us and our boys. God was starting to work big time in our hearts. We had been ignoring him totally, doing our own thing for our own pleasures, and it was destroying our, our marriage. Our boys suffered because of the bad choices we were making. Finally, 
it got so, I was so miserable, I didn't want to live with him anymore. So I left and went to the farm to my daddy. This time he let me stay, seeking refuge for him, for me and, and the boys, thinking that our marriage was done. I thought in my heart, no way am I going back with him. I've had enough. So anyway, I cried out to my daddy. I was on my knees in the little bedroom. I didn't know Jesus, but I, I knew somebody. What am I going to do? And my daddy was standing there with his hand on my shoulder, and he says, Sister, I don't know what you're going to do, but I think what you need to do is take him back and try again. So the first time, one time, I finally listened to what my daddy said, and that's what we did. Daddy offered to move a trailer house onto the farm behind his house so we could start over, and that's, that's what we did. The boys loved the farm. Jim worked at the Brewster Co-op, and I worked nights at the rest home in Colby. My folks pretty well raised the boys when Jim wasn't, that, wasn't home. I was mad most of that time. We had only been there about two weeks when Pastor Ar Arnett, stand up and let him see you, <laughs> came over from Pleasant Home Church, just around the corner from the farm, and he led Jim to the Lord. Well, at that time, <clears throat> I thought, I, I got to act like, you know, I'm halfway spiritual. So I knelt and committed my life to the Lord, and I was lying through my teeth, and I knew it. Then he led the boys to the Lord two weeks later. <clears throat> I was really mad and miserable. A filthy, dirty, rotten sinner. That's what I was. Just wait. For eight years, I ran from God, while Jim continued loving me unconditionally, supporting the family, and faithfully attending Pleasant Home Church with the boys and my parents. I kept digging myself deeper and deeper into the pit of filth and selfishness. Finally, on August 14, 1982, I hit the bottom. I knew I was at the end of myself, and I couldn't lie anymore or deceive my way out of the mess I'd gotten myself into. I fell on my knees in the bedroom in that little trailer house, and I cried out to God, not even knowing if there was a God. I didn't know if there was a God, but I knew if there was one, I needed him desperately. That's just what he'd been waiting for. He heard my cry, and immediately I knew he was there, and I knew, I knew I belonged to him then. It was just the difference, my life was changed from darkness to light. I had peace in my heart now, and I knew whatever was ahead, that God would be in it for me. He will now and not, he, his will now and not mine. I've came to realize since then, talking to my friends and the people that we've been close to, that's gotten themselves into big messes, that you cannot dig a pit so deep 
that God won't be down there to meet you if you just cry out to him. I'm still a filthy, dirty, rotten sinner, Pastor. But God is greater in me than he's in the world. So 37 years have passed since that time. And we have been in a number of ministries, Jim and I, all around. And you're all here, representing most of them. We were serving God together, finally. For the, for the last few years, we have spent at Pleasant Home, where it all started, out there in that little country church, Pleasant Home Church. We were especially blessed during that time in our last ministry that we did together on Wednesday night. The little prayer time we had with Doris and Alan and Sonny and the others that were there. There was just a it was just a beautiful time we had of just singing together and reading God's word and praying together. It was beautiful. Because of physical problems, we have been here in town for the past 11 months. We have attended Harvest with our family, Perry and Terry and the kids, and we have loved it from the beginning, you guys. God has chose to take my husband home now, but I'm still here, and I know he has a purpose in that, and I am excited about what's going to happen. And what's, come, come, what's coming next? Wherever he can use me and my family. We just want to be used with, from the Lord. I have great grandbabies here to love on, so it's going to be wonderful. I know. My prayer now today, as his children, that we love Jesus, we love each other, and that we serve each other thankfully and joyfully until he either comes back or takes us home to be with him. That's my story. Now, I want to, you may want to plug your ears, but I'm going to try to sing a little song here. <laughs> Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength. From day to day, without him I would fall. When I am sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. Jesus is all the world to me. I want no better friend. I trust him now. I'll trust him when life's fleeting days shall end. Beautiful life with such a friend. Beautiful life that has no end. Eternal life, eternal joy. He's my friend. Amen.
I'm going to be as long as my mom. I only have four pages. She had eight. Mom mentioned that uh, there was a point in our family's experience when we lived in Bazine that things were tough. And um, I remember that time. Uh, sobering to think back on those days, but yet there are elements of that where you could see God already working in our lives before we trusted in Christ. It's like the Holy Spirit knows no bounds. He works on people long before they come to Him. And I, I, I can remember uh, images in my mind as a child. I remember seeing my dad weep back when we lived in Bazine and before. My dad was a big man. You know, over 300, <laughs> uh, strong. Uh, I was told that he was scary to some people. And I kind of like that because they say, you better leave me alone or I'll stick my dad on you. And um, interestingly enough, um, rarely ever saw that. And I don't know about Larry. I remember one time we were doing something wrong and we were jumping in the neighbor's swimming pool there in Bazine. And Dad had explicitly told us, no, don't do that. And I already had my swimming suit on under my clothes. <laughs> told you how bad we were, or I was. All Dad had to do was yell across the way. He was only a block away, but he could yell, and uh, we were begging for mercy. And I don't remember him even spanking us. I, I think it was like a blur now. But those occasions were pretty rare. I would have to say I saw his tender side a lot. I remember, you know, Mom had mentioned that, you know, she had left and gone to the farm. Well, Larry and I, we didn't know what was going on. You know, we're kids. And I remember my dad talking to Mom on the phone, and we talked to Mom on the phone. And then I remember Mom decided to come back, and we were laying on the floor watching something on TV, and Dad was, had his arms around both of us. And it was a very comforting memory uh, we were watching something in black and white. I think it was the Lone Ranger, so that tells you how long ago this was, back in the, back in the 70s, probably a rerun. Um, but there are a lot of memories I have of my, my big, strong, tough dad being very tender, and it's already been mentioned uh, by Mom and Larry and by the grandkids. Um, when I put my trust in the Lord and when... Larry and Dad put their trust in the Lord. It, it is like we, our family, went from darkness to light. Because I remember what it was like back in Bazine and the, what it was like on the farm. It was just completely different. And uh, I knew I had the Spirit of God, but I was still naughty, like Mom says, you know, still a dirty, rotten sinner. Um, but uh, when we came to Christ, uh, like Mom said, um, she was working nights at the nursing home. One of my childhood memories is this. Uh, we lived in a 12 by 60 trailer house out on the farm and not too far away from the, between the two bedrooms. So mom wasn't there, dad was in bed, we were in bed and we'd say, good night, good night. Love you, love you. See you in the morning, see you in the morning. I think we did that every night. <laughs> For many years, and in fact, I remember that Dad would kiss us goodnight until we became juniors in high school, or junior high, and somebody made fun of that, and we told him to quit. But I think he would have kissed us right up through college if we would have let him. That's just the way Dad was. He's a very tender man. 
Um, like I said, at the same time, my dad could be a hard man. He could be strict and strong and stubborn. I mean, he was a beard after all. Many times I saw my dad example this strength as he found himself con confronting things. And this is where we're going to kind of bring it to spiritual things here. My dad had a thing about paying taxes. <laughs> um, and including all of your income. And one time I remember somebody gave him a $20 bill and he got into a discussion with this guy. Well, you're not going to put that on your taxes, are you? And my dad goes, well, of course I am. That's just the way dad was. And so if the Holy Spirit's convicting you, that's what my dad taught me. And that's the kind of man he was. Another example is, is that he would strongly disagree with people. He felt used the Bible as a stick on other people. In other words, he didn't like people being judgmental. Um, and then also, here's one that was kind of sensitive for us as a family. Sometimes we'd be sharing uh, prayer requests, which was really gossip. And we'd be talking, and we'd be looking at each other. We'd be looking at Dad pretty soon. Dad would get real quiet. And we knew we had crossed the line. We were gossiping about people and pretending like it was prayer requests. And again, you know, maybe if the Lord's convicting your heart, <laughs> uh, Dad would say this. He'd say, finally, he couldn't take it any longer. He'd say, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And that was the end. We didn't talk about it anymore, and uh, I'm thankful for that. And There are many other examples I could give you, but you probably have your own examples. My dad had a backbone, right? He was a man. I look around, I see all these men here, and godly men. Um, I mean, I'm not anywhere close to what my dad was, but you know, my brother and I, we both want to lead our families, and I'm thankful that God has given us what we have. I give a lot of that credit to my dad. Um, well, I'll give you one more example. Uh, praying in public. Kevin, where's Kevin? Raise your hand, Kevin. There he is. This is my friend Kevin. Kevin Soderland, he goes to our church here. And um, One time I ate lunch with Kevin at Tequila's, and I think he prayed for everybody's meal on Tequila's. It was that loud. And I looked up from my prayer, I go, Dad? Where's my dad? <laughs> That's what dad did. And he would also pray for the missionaries while we were sitting there at the restaurant or anybody else that came to mind. And he'd say, it wasn't a four-minute prayer, but it was a good two. My dad, you know, eating at the restaurant. But I will say that meant something to me because I remember times when we were with family, um, I didn't know what we were going to do because it seemed awkward. We're new believers. We love the Lord. We want to pray for our food. But we have relatives who may not appreciate that. My dad would just go ahead and pray, and it meant a lot to me that he did. And so that's what I do. Uh, whenever I'm at a restaurant, I don't care who's there. I want to pray and thank God for the food. And I'm not trying to offend anybody, but I have, I have yet to have one person tell me to stop. And so until that happens, I guess I'll just keep going. And I don't mind praying at Walmart. I don't mind praying at school. I don't mind praying anywhere. And so far, nobody's told me to stop, so I'm not going to stop. And I got that from my dad. You know, we need this. We, we need this kind of person who sets everything and sometimes everyone straight. And we lost somebody 
So now we've got some shoes to fill, size 13, 14. And you don't have to be mean about it because my dad learned how to do it, and so far everything I've heard from other people is that he was a kind and gentle man, generous. And I noticed that as he grew older, he also became more gentle and more tender to the point where here he is with my kids and my grandkids. I'm thinking, Dad, are you still in there, Dad? (laughs) But suffice it to say that it was the Holy Spirit, and especially at the end of his life, it was particularly special and precious. As uh, Larry and Lily were able to come for Thanksgiving, and uh, Melissa and Aaron were able to come for that time, and we were able to surround him in love. Um, a lot of I loves you, love yous. And in fact, I just will add, last thing I saw my dad say, he was talking to my brother on the phone, he said, I love you, bub. And the day before he passed was my mom's birthday. We thought he was going to go on my mom's birthday, but he was just waiting around because that morning when mom told him it was her birthday, he sang happy birthday to her. He told her that he loved her, and he said she could buy whatever she wanted. (laughs) So there's a Cadillac out here. No, I'm just kidding. That's mine, no. Mom... I'd just like to focus on Psalm 34, verses 17 and 18. Uh, The righteous cry out. The Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. A couple of Dad's favorite verses. And what I get from Dad's life, and this began immediately after he passed, and what I, what I get out of these verses is that he was an intimate man. He clung to this passage, I think, because it reflected a real relationship. Not Facebook friends or associates or people who are familiar. But he was a real man who wanted real relationships and he wanted real intimacy and that's what he built into our family. And we're, we're very close. Our family's very close. And maybe you've noticed. It wasn't always this way. There have been times where we've had struggles. But the Lord has always brought us back together. And God's been faithful. But you know, we have another person in our lives who also is real. And that is God. Who sometimes we mistake for maybe a Facebook friend or somebody that we're associated with or somebody maybe we're familiar with. And I'm going to say that God is someone who cares for you and cares for me more than this man right here. And he cared a lot. God wants us to be near him, and he especially wants us to know that he wants to be there during the hard times. Um. We see this passage here in Psalm 34. There's another passage in Matthew chapter 12, verse 37, where Jesus wept over Jerusalem, and he said, How I would like to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks. Passage goes on to say that the cause for Jesus weeping was because they were not willing. 
And in his case, Israel would not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they still haven't. But someday they will. Someday everyone will be compelled to bow their knee before Jesus Christ and to acknowledge him as King of kings and Lord of lords. But God wants a relationship with us now. He wants to call us his son and daughter now because that's what he's always wanted. That's the story of man. If you go back to the Garden of Eden, there was intimacy, there was warmth, there was tenderness. Not only between God and man, but man and woman. Until sin came in. And from that point on, over and over and over, God has reached out to us and his hand is still extended today. Offering his love. And time after time after time, we find ourselves turning away. From cover to cover, in this book, there are testimonies that tell us that God loves us and wants to be with us, the problem is our will. This morning you've heard the testimony of how God changed the culture of our family. He did it first by breaking our will so that the only way we could look was up. And Mom mentioned that. At the beginning of my time, I talked to you about the tenderness that my dad and I had, my brother had, you know, good night, love you, see you in the morning. Well, I believe in order for there to be tenderness and intimacy, there's an element that has to be there as well, and that is trust. Probably all of us know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. I believe that in order to trust God, we need to let go. We need to let go of our own understanding. We need to let go of our own wisdom. We need to let go of how we perceive things and be open to change in our hearts and our minds. Our human understanding. Secondly, I believe that we need to let go of the past. And I think sometimes this is particularly difficult. Philippians chapter 3, Paul the Apostle says, Brethren, I count not myself to have have apprehended, but the one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And what Paul is saying here is that everything in our past we can forget and we can focus on a hopeful future. And until we let go of that past, sometimes we just cannot move forward. And I think with my dad here in our presence, our hearts, and in heaven, this is his body, we have the opportunity to move forward and to let go of the past. And I just I invite you that if there's, if there's a hurt that you're holding on to this morning, let it go. Forget it. Move on. And then finally, we need to let go of personal ambition. And I I think it's interesting because when you do that, God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. And our role model is Jesus Christ. It says in Philippians chapter 2, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus 
who being in the form of robbery thought it, or being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Allow yourself to have the mind of Christ and ask this question, what would Jesus do? And before you can ever hope to know God intimately, realize this, you must first know him as your personal savior and invite him to save you from your sin and to realize that he's not just here to give you a good life, he's here to change you. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And again, Mom mentioned that. We're all that way. The penalty of our sin is death. But not just physical death, but spiritual death, which includes eternal suffering and separation from God. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. In other words, in order for us to have intimacy with God, we need to solve our sin problem. We need to have that relationship with God. We have to have that relationship with Jesus Christ as our Savior. God sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross for our sins and to offer us eternal life so that we can put our trust in him. And if we do that, if we enter that trust relationship, we have begun the first step towards intimacy. To be honest with you, I'm a little jealous of dad right now because, quite frankly, he's where I want to be. I want to be with God. I want to be with Jesus Christ. I want to be in his presence. And sometimes I don't do the right thing, but I still want to be there. But here's the punchline. In order for us to put our trust in Jesus as our Savior, in order for us as Christians to have a meaningful purpose in life, we need to have that relationship with God that requires us to be willing. You have to let Jesus be your Savior and stop living an I-can-do-it kind of life, which is the kind of life we live down in Bazine. Start admitting that you have need and going to God in prayer. Something I didn't mention to you, and this is kind of an intimate thing, the day of Dad's passing, um, I was trying to decide what to talk about. And the reason I decided on intimacy was because of that little thing that we said to each other at nighttime. You know, good night, love you, see you in the morning. And I wasn't sure if I should use that because it was a very intimate, special thing. And Well, I wasn't sure how it was going to go. And I was driving my wife's truck around later that day. Turned on KGCR and this is what I heard. And I hope I can do the technical side here. This is Alistair Begg, and this is what he had to say. Now, I don't know if you had this kind of terminology as growing up as children, but you remember the prayer? And now I lay me down to sleep. I pray thee, Lord, my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. You know, 
So many things out of my childhood come back to me now that I'm moving to my dotage. But I was thinking about this. When we said goodnight to one another in our family, this was our parting shot. Good night, Dad. I will see you in the morning, all spared and well. I will see you in the morning, all spared. That's what I heard the day my dad passed. And it was a confirmation to me by the Holy Spirit that that's what I should share with you this morning. Good night. I love you. I'll see you in the morning. And again, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if you have this kind of relationship with God, but that's what you need. Maybe you've gone to church your whole life, like my mom, and you still need Jesus. You're uncertain where you would end up if you died today. It's worth considering. I know that I will see my dad in the morning. And I want that, our family wants that for each one of you. That if you wake up from this life, you wake up on that heavenly shore in the presence of God. But it requires something of you. You have to trust in God, you have to put your trust in Jesus and you have to let go. Now, I've heard preachers say, you know, you don't have to let go. You know, we still have a responsibility. Well, let me tell you something. Salvation by grace through faith plus nothing else. And if you're adding one iota to that, it is a dark hole. And we have experienced that over and over and over in our family. And for some reason, God, by his Holy Spirit, miraculously pulls us out of the hole. We find ourselves standing on our feet, and we don't know why. We've got one or two preachers around here. I'm sure that one of them or somebody that you know who loves God would be thrilled to talk to you about your position in Christ and where you are with the Lord. I just want to tell you as Christians that every day should be a yes day when it comes to what you tell God. Sometimes we say no and change our minds, and I guess that's okay too, because that's the kind of person I am. But look at it this way. Every day you say yes to God not only brings you a step closer to home physically, but closer to home in your heart. So that I believe when a person in their body passes, their heart is already there. Their heart is already at home. And they're at peace with that. So in closing of our service, uh, the next thing anyway, my wife and I are going to sing that song home.
Thank you, Lord, that we can be here this morning and we can remember Dad's life. And Lord, thank you that he is in your presence. Thank you that we know that he is in peace and that in comfort. And Lord, while we miss him, we know that he wants us to continue on. And I pray that God, you will just give us the strength to take that next step of trust, that next step of faith, whatever that is. And Lord, if there's a person here this morning that has not put their trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, it would be my dad's desire, I know, for them to find Jesus today. And if there's a Christian here who is struggling in any way, Lord, uh, help them, Lord, also to take that step of trust, knowing that you are a God who cares and that you want that intimate relationship with us that can only be found through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you'll bless each one who came out this morning. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I have heard 